When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Incline listeners, looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to another week of The Incline. I'm joined by Jake and David, as always. The Dodgers off to a 22-8 start. We're officially halfway through the season. I mean, this season's been a long one. It's been a grind, but the Dodgers continue to win. I'm just kidding. This season's flying by, if I'm being honest. They just swept the Colorado Rockies. How you guys doing? Doing good. Um, I mean, you said it. Dodgers are off to a hot start. Uh, there was a little shaky for a couple games there against the Padres people were panicking and you know it's it's a shortened season so every game matters but you know we've said it from the start this they're making the playoffs it's just a matter of how they perform in the playoffs yeah there hasn't been a team thus far that the Dodgers have struggled with mightily and even the teams that we thought were going to challenge them haven't been that big of a challenge anyway so we've beaten the Padres we really beat up on the Rockies. The Angels were like, it was not playing nothing. The beat the Astros. I mean, the one team that we haven't faced yet, or the two teams rather, are the Rangers and the uh, A's. And I, the Rangers aren't, aren't great. We're facing them this week. But the, the A's are, are pretty good. So that's the one team that, you know, we may have a little bit of trouble with. But if there was any doubt that the Dodgers were going to handle the NL West, I think that has been officially squashed with the first 30 games of the season. The Dodgers are looking good. They've improved on things that we have knocked them for in the past, like hitting with runners in scoring position, hitting with runners in scoring position in two outs. They lead uh, the majors in those categories now. So things are looking really good. Yeah, you just said it. They're batting 300 with runners in scoring position, which is a tie for first place with the Washington Nationals. So that's definitely good to see. And then in terms of their bullpen, still dominating. 182 bullpen ERA, best in the majors. We'll touch on some individual guys we want to shout some kudos to in a moment. But this is a very exciting episode today because we have a lot of fan questions. So we really appreciate all you guys reaching out to us. The thing I just want to talk about real quick, Walker Buehler looked phenomenal against the Rockies we've been kind of waiting for it all season 
none of us were really panicking because we kind of knew he'd be off to a slow start given that he was just kind of resting throughout summer camp. But he just came off a one earned run performance going six innings, strike out 11 Rockies. So it's good to see him. Maybe the second half he's just going to continue that momentum. And then Cody Bellinger, he's hot. That walk-off home run just the other night was very exciting to see. Over his last seven games, he's batting 304 with a 448 on on-base percentage, and that includes four home runs. He's hitting the ball very hard right now. Also, I just want to add that six of his last 11 hits have been home runs. So he is definitely out of whatever funk he was in to start the season. Yeah, yes. and, and you brought up Bueller, and I, I said it on the, the episode last week. We You could tell in the start before this last start where he dominated, he, he started to turn the corner. You could see that the fastball had more life on it. You could see that he had a bit more command. Um, and now, you know, as evidenced against that start in the Rockies, looks like Bueller's fully back. And pair that with Bellinger being back. Uh, the only guy we're waiting on now is, is Muncie. And he's shown signs of, you know, life again. So this team is close to firing on all cylinders. I think the one question mark and, and maybe hole would be getting length out of the pitching staff. Uh, but we, we can get into that a bit later. And also to the point about Bueller, we, I don't know if anybody was worried about him. I know the three of us weren't because he didn't really have a full spring training to kind of, you know, get back into his rhythm. But he used the first couple of games of this season as sort of tune-up games, and then we saw what he was capable of. Just a dominant performance against the Rockies, 11 strikeouts. He always seems to dominate against the Rockies. I remember yeah. that, that game 163 that they played um, a couple of years ago. Um, that was, and I think that was 2018. It, just dominant. And I always feel like Walker Bueller is, is the type of pitcher that – we as Dodgers fans have always wanted uh, in terms of relying on someone when it counts. And I know that Kershaw has been bashed for his playoff record. A lot of it has to do with the fact that he wasn't put in the right positions and also that the bullpen came in and, and, you know, gave up the, the runs, the, the runners that he had left on base. So there's all, you know, we can get into that, but Walker Bueller consistently has been the guy that Dodgers fans and, and, and the team can rely on uh, when we need him most. All right. First question. Perfect timing comes from the disclaimer pod on Twitter. Basically he would like to know, pick our three starters for the postseason. And I mean, obviously it's going to be a four man rotation most of the way, but that first round, I guess you got to go with your top three starters. So who are you going to pick for those three? And then you can give a fourth if you want. For me, it's, it's Kershaw, Bueller and May. And I don't think it's really right. that close. Uh, I know David's going to agree with me because May has got to be in there, but I just think that, Julio Urias was uh, expected to be the guy once David Price opted out for this season. And we were all sort of, you know, waiting, you know, for him to take the training wheels off. And he's sort of been so-so, not terrible, 2-0, 2.74 ERA. But, but the issue is with him is that for whatever reason, the Dodgers can't let this guy go, you know, stretch his arm out. Um, I just feel like they, they don't let him, uh, you know, go – long into games they take well, the last time out he pitched an inning in two thirds and they and they yanked him and I get it he wasn't pitching great but 
it's against the freaking Seattle Mariners. Like, let the guy struggle a little bit. You have a little, you know, a wiggle room in the NL West. So we're let's see what he's made of. You know, let's keep him in there. See what happens. And you know, let's actually take the training wheels off. So I'm a little disappointed that they haven't really let him prove himself. But I just think that uh, in terms of the top three starters, May, Bueller, and, and Kershaw, it has to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to agree there. Uh, I'm looking at the question now. It says, choose three for the starting rotation come postseason, and it lists Arias, Stripling, Wood, May, Gonsolin, and others. So I'm assuming that they're already implying that Kershaw and Bueller are going to be in there. Um, and like we said, that's not going to be a five-man rotation in the playoffs, and especially not in the first round. Uh, so if I'm choosing three out of those guys, I'm going with May, Gonsolin, and Arias. And if I'm choosing one from those three, it's Dustin May. With the caveat, it's Dustin May with Tony Gonsolin following him. Uh, because, you know, obviously I'm, you know, the biggest Dustin May supporter and fan you're going to find. But the one thing he hasn't been able to do, you know, fully this year is is go, you know, consistently more than five innings. Yeah. Um, he's only he's only gone more than five innings three times. Yes, which is, you know, solid. And he's yeah. 22 and working on it. But what I've noticed from May is he'll he'll be coasting along and then one inning he'll just run into a bunch of trouble but it's not necessarily you know earned run trouble it's just long at bats and long you know oh i got seven eight pitch walk followed by a nine pitch out followed by a seven pitch single and that just stacks the pitch count up and with the dodgers managing of of pitchers and and pitch counts that's not a formula for success so i'm gonna go with may with Gonsolin, you know, maybe coming in for an inning or two. The yeah. one the one concern I do have is the and this is something that Jake just, you know, sort of brought up is the overuse of this Dodgers bullpen. You can't have Arias going one and two thirds innings and expect the bullpen to get seven seven innings of, you know, lockdown of lockdown work. Uh it's not a formula for for long term success and it is a concern. Yeah. yeah, and and you can even and just to that point, even if you don't have Gonsolin backup May, you could have Urias backup May because yeah. we all know that Urias pitches better when he doesn't have to start the game. All right, he's well, going to be on the roster. It's just a matter of in what capacity. You guys are kind of already answering ahead, so let me just shout out at Devin G nine one seven one eight, who's asking us if we're confident letting Urias be the third starter in the postseason. No. Yeah, and I know David said he'd piggyback with Gonsolin. I think I'd actually piggyback with Urias, and the reason being, you go righty-lefty, it kind of throws off their lineup, and a lot of teams don't have the depth like the Dodgers do. So I think that's what I'm going to do. It's going to vary by the matchup, obviously, but like a team like the Cubs, I think I'd rather actually go Urias rather than Gonsolin just because guys like Anthony Rizzo and Schwarber really intimidate me in the lineup. So, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. But, you know, you guys also answered – a delusional Doyer Stan Eddie at Doyer Stan. What's the story of Urias's high pitch counts and early exits? He's very confused. And yeah, I mean, you guys hit the nail on the head with that one. I didn't like them pulling him that early. I thought it was very unnecessary. I know they, you know, kind of worked out with the bullpen in the long run, but you don't need to tax your arms this early on in the season. So yeah, I, this was this was also supposed to be the year we were going to see what Urias was made of. We've sort of babied him for you know, the last four years or so. 
and this is supposed to be the year where we see what he's actually made of. And I, I don't, I mean, I don't know if there's something going on behind the scenes that we haven't heard from, but, and Urias seems to be perfectly healthy. Uh, I don't know why Dave Roberts will allow someone like Dustin May to, to work out of trouble. And he, he's done that on a couple occasions where he, he'll let May try and, you know, uh, get out of a jam. But with Urias, it's a quick trigger and it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm going to answer the question with the initial question. Do I feel confident about Arias being the number three? I'm going to say yes. Um, he hasn't been bad this year. He's actually been pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of can he you know, overcome that first inning struggles and can he go long in the game? Uh, so, you know, harping off my initial point, yes is the answer because of how good the Dodgers bullpen is and because of we have guys like Dustin May and, and Tony Gonsolin, who if they do decide to go with Arias, they can bring in to follow him. So, yes, I am confident in Arias. He's actually been pretty decent this year. Yes. And they just need to, you know, they got to let him work it out a little longer. That first inning just seems to kill him every time out. But if he can overcome that one barrier, then he is going to be the guy that they projected him to be many years ago. Yeah, he's only allowed seven runs this year. Yeah, he's been really good. Okay, another young guy that we haven't seen this season, but he hit two home runs off a pitcher we just talked about, Tony Gonsolin. It's Gavin Lux at Peru. Mike wants to know, what are the chances Lux makes it to the big club this season? I know we've talked about this a few times now, and do you see him on the playoff roster? Yeah, we, as I mentioned last week, it's – it's getting time for them to make that decision. It's, you know, it should be any day now where they, they call him up. Um, if they don't call him up within a week, I think the answer is no. Uh, there's, we're already halfway through the season. You've got to get him at bats against major league pitching. Yes. At bats against Gonsolin in the taxi squad game is, is good. Um, but it's not live major league action. Um, I would love to see them call him up. This, this kid has so much talent. I think he's, it's worth a shot. Uh, he can provide incredible power and offense from the seventh, eighth, or ninth spot in the lineup. You can bring in Kike for defense towards the end of the game if you want. Uh, left-handed power bat you know, is, is perfectly the, is, is the perfect you know, running mate with Kike and Taylor at second. So I, I would love to see them give him a chance. Yeah, I just don't see who you are dropping. I mean, maybe it's a pitcher, but like any, but like the bench seems pretty set with I Beatty. I think it'd be Beatty, honestly. Yeah, but that would, that's who they would have right to go with. He's a I hot bat right now. Yeah, I hate to say it though. Dave Roberts loves Matt Beatty, so I don't, I don't see them dropping Beatty for for Lux. It may, it may you may have to burn burn a pitcher in order to bring him up. Yeah, yes. but in terms of the playoff roster, it's, it would have to be a, a hitter. So it would have to be Beatty or Rios. Yeah, yeah, and speaking of Rios, he is currently on the IL, and he's coming back very soon. So that's just another roster spot in Lux's way. And to you know, answer the question, do I think he's going to make the roster this season? I'd say it's like 50-50. It's going to take probably an injury or a trade for him to actually make the roster just because this team is so deep. You know, once the offseason rolls around, guys like Jock Peterson and Kike are probably going to be gone, and that's going to free up some room for Lux. But right now, there's really just no room. And in terms of playoff roster, it's even more challenging because right now it's a 28-man team, and per the MLB rules at the moment, it's going to be a 26-man roster, which means 
you have to take off two guys and likely it's going to be two bullpen arms. So I don't, I just, it's really hard to see any room for Lux given, even though he's really talented and, you know, it's, it's a good problem to have at the end of the day. The Dodgers seem to always kind of, uh, veer towards having this second baseman by committee thing. I don't, I can't, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of the last time we had like a solid, like starting second baseman, maybe Jeff Kent. I don't Jim know. Mark yeah. Ellis. But like, Orlando yeah. Mark, Hudson. Mark Ellis was great. The O-Dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, ta- I'm talking about like a guy that you, that you have there for, you know, a couple of years. And I think Gavin Lux is going to be that guy. We thought he was going to be that guy at the beginning of this season, but there's no real like hole at second base. It seems like they've always got a guy that can, that can plug in there. And I think if, I think if Gavin Lux was, was either a right-handed hitter or a switch hitter, um, it would be a lot different, but we already yeah. have so many lefties. All right. Yep. That's a quick good point. Quick timeout question to give you guys a breather. This one's kind of easy. I don't know if he's actually a Mets fan or, or what's going on here, but <laughs> Mets Mania 1 wants to get on the fun. He just wants to know, when can we get a Dodger dog at the stadium again? And this isn't even like a promotional plug, but I see the commercial every well, day. AMP is delivering them. <laughs> I think he truly is a Mets fan because a true Dodgers fan would not be craving a Dodger dog right now. That's Whoa. not true. Let's yeah, calm down with that sentiment. <laughs> I, I could go for about five you're craving, Dodger dogs. You're craving a Dodger dog right yes, now? Yes, now that they've been brought up, I would love to eat five Dodger dogs at once right now. Uh, Jake, that's your first bad take of 2020. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? To answer his question, I think... It comes in the tinfoil and the, and the bread sticks to it and it's... Oh, well, it's, it's delicious, dude. Uh, put, some, put, some, put some onions on that, some I, mustard... I said this, uh, I think when we had Sean Green on that, uh, I, I only really appreciate the Dodger dog while I'm at the stadium. All right. Well, 2021, to answer the question, I think that's yeah, when you're going to get there's they're over. Answer. They're overrated. They're overrated. They're not, but 2021. <laughs> All right, Jake, I'll flip this one to you. You yeah, had this question you wanted to ask us. Unsung heroes so far. Why don't you kick it off? Yeah, my unsung hero. So this is a player that doesn't really get a lot of fanfare that the three of us have sort of kept our eye on and and kind of nobody really talks about him. Scott Alexander. And the reason I wanted to choose Scott Alexander Scotty is because, Ice. because I the reason I wanted to choose him is because I have never liked him before this season. I, I've never understood the point of him. Um, but this season, he has shown up in, a, in, in some big ways. And one way, and, and I'll also you know, couple in uh, Adam Kalerik in, into this conversation, but since the uh, three batter minimum rule, these guys have been forced to face both lefties and righties because they got to stay in the whole inning. And Scott Alexander has some pretty decent numbers so far. He's pitched in nine games. He's 1-0 with a 2.0 ERA, five walks, eight strikeouts. That's not great. Uh, a 1.33 whip, um, but against lefties, uh, they're hitting 0.83 against him. That's one for 12 with two walks, four strikeouts, and he's given up one home run. Now against righties is not so great, but I I, I want to put these numbers into context for you. So against righties, they have a 3.33 batting average against six for 18, a, a 4.29 BAPIP, a 4.29 on base percentage, but only a 762 OPS and no extra base hits. So all of all of those hits, those six hits, are all singles. So that's something to keep in mind. Also, 
he uh, has allowed one of the five runners he's inherited to score. So that's a 20% clip, not bad. And he's been uh, quite clutch for us early on. The, the big game that he had was in Houston in extra innings. Uh, Bob Guerin, uh, this is when uh, Dave Roberts was serving his one-game suspension for the Joe Kelly antics. Bob Guerin put him in there against you know all sorts of logic because he had to face – uh, Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve with a runner at second base in extra innings. And he was able to get out of that by uh, inducing a, a ground ball double play off the bat of Michael Brantley. And he held the, you know, he held the, uh, the tie intact. Now the Dodgers ended up pulling head in the next inning with an RBI double by Mookie Betts. And then Alexander uh, coughed up the lead, but it's only because they had to start the inning with a runner at second. So that was a really, really good example of how he has adjusted his game to get not uh, not only lefties, but righties out. And his sinker is working really well this season. He's getting a lot of ground balls, not a lot of hard contact. So I am nominating Scott Alexander right. for my unsung hero for the Dodgers this season. Scott Alexander with the Juan Uribe effect right now. Yes. That's probably the most we've ever talked about Alexander, so kudos to him. And I, yeah. was, I was mocked. I was ridiculed. I was laughed at. <laughs> I was called an idiot. I was insulted all across the internet. But my unsung hero, I planted my flag at the beginning of the season, and he's come through thus far. It's Austin Barnes. He's batting two seventy three, which, I mean, I'll take it from your catcher, which was better than when he was batting like oh ninety five just a few weeks ago. He's got one home run, seven RBIs. He even has a stolen base. His OPS is nearly pushing 700. But what really stands out, and it's been my point all along, he's getting it done on the defensive end. Of all the catchers to at least have 500 plate appearances behind the plate, Barnes leads the way with a 240 catcher's ERA. You can really see him working well with Dustin May. Kershaw looks like he's turned back, turned back the clock. Those two are in sync. And then... Just the bullpen in general. Kenley's looked phenomenal. We don't talk about him enough. He's locking it down every game. Blake Trinan looking like the guy we were anticipating, especially David really wanted him. And then, I mean, Trinan. Jake McGee turning it on. So that's my unsung hero, Austin Barnes, getting it done with a little of the bat and, of course, behind the plate. All right. My unsung hero is pretty obvious at this point, if you've ever listened to the show. It's, it's Dustin May. Uh, he was called upon to start opening day uh, on, a, on a win. We didn't know what we were going to get. He's 22 years old. And in six starts, he hasn't allowed more than two earned runs in any of them. He was dominant against the Padres. He went six innings, eight Ks, two runs, and then followed it up with another start against San Diego with six innings, two earned runs, and two Ks. Uh, he's been electric to watch. This is going to be... I'm gonna get I'm gonna get creamed for this one, but this is the future ace of the Dodgers rotation. It's not Walker Bueller, it's Dustin May. They're gonna be one A and one B. And in two years, Dustin May will will surpass what Walker Bueller is. I'm gonna get creamed for that. I think they're both right on the same level, but I'm giving the edge to Dustin May just based on the eye test. Um, the one thing that's missing from May is is he doesn't he hasn't really induced whiffs yet, uh, swings swings and misses yet. And once, he, once he's able to get those swings and misses from his slider and his curveball, uh, he could win multiple Cy Young Awards. Uh, he's going to have to get better at working you know, deeper into games, but the way to do that is to induce whiffs. 
but for unsung hero, it's it's Dustin May. This guy was not expecting to be in the starting rotation, and now they can't take him out because he's been so good. Good stuff all around, everyone. All right, the trade deadline. Yeah, is- let's get some trade deadline talk. This is where it gets juicy because the deadline is literally less than a week away. It's going to be on Monday, August 31st. And some people are saying there's not going to be a lot of action given all the travel restrictions and just how difficult it is with all the testing. Then you have another side, which is saying there's going to be so many teams looking to buy because 14 of the 15 teams are technically in the national league race. I'm somewhat in the middle. I do think there's going to be some big trades that go down. And the first one that we got to talk about a few people asked this, but here he is. L.A. Aktu France on Twitter wants to know, do we have to take Bauer now or wait until the end of the season when he's a free agent? A lot of people want to know, is Trevor Bauer coming to the Dodgers? What do you guys think? No. No. <laughs> no. And not because they couldn't use him. Uh, because I am a big Trevor Bauer fan. He's been electric this year. Uh, excluding last night where he, I think he gave up four runs. He was the clear front runner for the NL Cy Young. The Dodgers could absolutely use him. He would be a, a perfect, you know, number three who's, who pitches like a number one. But the answer is no, because I don't think the Reds are going to trade him. Uh, they're, you know, they're not having that great of a year, but they're also not that far out of the playoffs. Expanded playoffs, I don't see them selling. He is a free agent at the end of the year, so that could be the one saving grace to get him moved. Um, but again, I, I don't think the Reds are going to throw away the year. Uh, although we do have Alex Wood, so we could trade them. We trade them Alex Wood again. We do have a guy. I'll, I'll let Jake go, and then I'll say what we could do. I don't know. I I, I could see it happening just just based on the fact that uh, Andrew Friedman has dealt with the Reds quite often, and. Uh, potentially them quite often. Yes. And definitely has uh, taken advantage of them. Um, but I, I have to side a little closer to David on this one, just cause, uh, I, I think just with the expanded, uh, playoffs, there's too many teams in contention. The freaking giants are in striking distance. They're if in the, the playoffs. Season, if it ended if the now. season ended today, they'd be in the playoffs, which is just a travesty. I know what's happening is it's a slumdog millionaire situation. It's like they're living out that one possible scenario where everything goes right. I just uh, it, it pisses me off in more ways than one. It makes I think it makes the playoffs uh, a, a more of a you know a, a crapshoot, and I'm not a fan of that. And when you've got those three game series in the first round, I'm just as a as a Dodgers fan that has gone through years and years of just agony every single season. Um, I, I just it just doesn't make me feel good. So. For me, I think the Dodgers do need to make a move. I, I, I think that they could definitely use another starter if it's not Trevor Bauer, someone like him. Um, because of what we were talking about earlier, I, I, think, I think Dustin May would be my number three starter, but he, he hasn't really shown me yet that he can go deep into ball games, And so that, that kind of worries me a little bit. The bullpen has been great and able to bail out the starters in some cases, but I just would want a, a comfortable number three. Like I, I want to be so confident. I want to be as confident as the Washington Nationals were last year with their starters. Like that's that's the kind of thing that we've missed these past seven years that we've gone to the playoffs. We've had two really good starters, whether it's Kershaw and Granke or Kershaw and Bueller. But the number three is sometimes where we drop off, and so. I would like to see them add a, a, a pitcher like Bauer if it's not him. Yeah. This is a 
situation. I just can't seem to get a read on, and it's going to be a day-by-day basis until we can finally figure out what's going on. I mean, the Reds are 11-15 and 15 or something like that. And then you guys just mentioned Trevor Bauer is a free agent at the end of the season. So does the Cincinnati front office just decide, okay, we either let him walk and get nothing in return, or do we continue the rebuilding process, get some key assets, pair them with Sonny Gray and Castillo. And I think of any team that's buying right now, the Dodgers are going to be the most in on Trevor Bauer. Whether that actually happens or not remains to be seen. But I think this is where they're – depth comes into play a guy like Ross Stripling is the perfect one of the key pieces to move to Cincinnati because you give them a controllable starter Stripling's proven he can pitch pretty respectable games he'd be the number three on that team for sure there's really just no there's no room (laughs) for Stripling in the Dodgers rotation I mean they have six guys who are better than him one of them potentially Alex Wood if they want to use him so you could pair Stripling with I know they just called up Amaya to the 60-man roster. Yep. Whether it's him or another infield prospect, the Reds need infielders. They wanted Corey Seager. The Dodgers have a lot of infielders in their farm system. If they're willing to go all in, because I know Friedman wants to win a World Series, they can make it work if they want. I I agree. I think that's why they did call up Amaya. I think he's – we're not going to see him in the majors this year. I think that would be for a possible trade. But one other point that we haven't brought up, is Trevor Bauer is a very polarizing player. Um, Whether you like him or or not, uh, that's just a fact. And I'm not sure that the front office will want to put that ingredient into the pot. Um, They've established a culture in LA. Uh, They added Mookie Betts, who only contributed to that. And throwing Trevor Bauer uh, into that midseason is, whether you like it or not, it could be considered a risk. Um, and I don't, I don't know if Friedman's willing to, to take that. Yeah, but it's not like it's a risk like, you know, Yasiel Puig is a risk. I think, or, that, I think that Trevor Bauer is a, a fierce competitor. He, I like the fact that he's outspoken. I like the fact oh, that, I he's do fi- too. that he's fiery. Um, and I think it, it adds to this sort of like intense starting rotation where you got Bueller, who's a bulldog on the mound. I mean, the guy is so intense. And, and now without the crowd, you're really starting to hear guys like Bueller and Jack Peterson go off. But um, with Bueller, with Kershaw, with May, with Bauer, I mean, that is a fierce starting rotation. I just like, I don't know, I like the energy of it. I yeah. Trust me, I do too. I'm just trying to offer the, the other perspective of – what they could be thinking about if they add him or not add him. Well, right. we'll bring him up real they're quick. Certainly, but another guy that's on a lot of people's wish list, and, you know, to me he's just a poor man, Jared's Weaver, but Mike Clevenger, who literally left his team out to hang, to go hang with friends. Now he's he was suspended for like a week or whatever. He's going to pitch tomorrow, I believe. I just – I don't think it's comparable. I think Trevor Bauer is a far better pitcher than Mike Clevenger. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree this year for sure, obviously. Uh, but I think overall, you know, Clevenger is, is basically near the same category. Um, I don't think they'll add Clevenger. One, I think this is the Indians' dream scenario right now. They keep him down at the alternate site. They gain another year of control over him. They don't have to pay him. And, uh, you know, they just let this boil over and, and maybe call him back at the very end of the year once his service time has, has accrued and 
hope it boils over. But the All Indians' right. ownership is the cheapest in the MLB, and they're trust me, they're loving this situation <laughs> right now. All right, this is where it's going to get a little weird, but I'm ready. At Mighty Morphin PN on Twitter wants to know: Besides pitching, what other position can we upgrade with a trade in the infield or the outfield? Go Should ahead, I, Kevin. I, Go ahead. All right. I know. Just, I know who you want to talk about, Kevin. All right. Dodger fans hate this guy. Rightfully so. He used performing-enhancing drugs to essentially win an MVP. But that's in the past. That was nine years ago. Ryan Braun is who I'm talking about. Over his career, he's hit lefties for a 320 clip. He has an on-base percentage of pushing 400. This season, you know, he's 36. He's not looking too great. But he still has a 353 on-base percentage against left-handed pitching. He just hit a home run off Rich Hill just the other day. People are worried about his contract. Oh, they're going to have to pay him a lot of money. No, they don't. He has a buyout clause or buyout option in the offseason, pay him $4 million. He's a free agent. There's no long-term commitment. They don't have to pay him the $14 million or whatever. The Dodgers lineup needs someone who can hit left-handed pitching. Right now, as a team, they're batting 208 versus lefties, which is 26th in MLB. They have a 301 on base percentage, which is not good, and they have an OPS of under 700. So Ryan Braun is the perfect guy you can acquire for essentially nothing. The Brewers are not a good team. Braun is from L.A. He owns a a mansion in Malibu or something. He's done a lot of community service in the L.A. area. He's very familiar. He's from Mission Hills. The guy can hit lefties. You plug him in as a platoon player. He can be the D.H., He's certainly an upgrade over Kike at this point, who's batting like 200 against left-handed pitching on base of 240. He's just not getting it done. So that's my pitch for Ryan Braun. I know there was another question. Maybe David wants to answer it. Uh, it's from JS Burner. Can Kevin explain his Braun want? Well, I just did. Yeah. Um, my take on this is simple. It's who are you going to kick off the roster if they get Braun? And Basically, A.J. Pollock is in that Braun role. Uh, Pollock this year against left-handed pitching is hitting 310 with an 852 OPS, but has four out of his five homers against righties with an OPS of 824. So Pollock is, is doing it all, basically. Uh, and yes, I think Braun may be an upgrade uh, against versus Kike Hernandez. Maybe. We don't know that because Braun only has 14 at-bats this year against lefties. He's three for 14 with one home run. Uh, so we don't know. Yes, in his career, he's a 319 hitter versus, versus left-handers. But his career, and, and he is, does have success in the postseason. He's a career 337 hitter in the postseason with an 875 OPS. Yes. Um, but most of that, you know, came at least two years ago. So we don't know what we're going to get if we get Braun. Do I think it's worth a possible flyer? Sure. If it costs, you know, not a lot. Um, you know, if it's just a, a low-level minor leaguer or, or cash considerations, then yeah, why not? Give him a shot. Exactly. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold my judgments of around him for stealing that MVP from Matt Kemp if he can help contribute to win a World Series for the Dodgers this year. Do that I think they gonna, do? I think they need him. No. That was gonna be my point. I don't I don't care what Braun did in the past. If he can help the Dodgers win a World Series, that's all I care about. And I think that if 
that if we do end up getting someone like Ryan Braun, I hope that he is as productive, if not more productive than let's say a David Freeze was. I think that that's a type of role that he could, that he could play. Uh, Roberts likes that kind of veteran. We've seen uh, Roberts use David Freeze uh, quite often over the past couple of years. And I actually was pretty, um, you know, not shocked, but like, I was a little disappointed that Freeze retired because I really liked him on the roster. I thought he brought a lot to the team and he hit lefties well. So for me, um, I don't think they desperately need Ryan Braun, but I, hey, if, if he could if he could help and we're not giving up and we're not breaking the bank to get him, then then let's do it. But I definitely think they do need a right-handed bat that can hit left-handed pitching. I don't know I don't know who else is on the market, but that is definitely something they need. I'm going to tell you who it is right now. And this is who I think they might actually get to. If they don't call up Gavin Lux, I think they trade for Jonathan Shoup of the Tigers. He's a right-handed hitting. Yeah. Scope. He's a right-handed hitting second baseman. Uh, He is seven for 19 against lefties this year with a home run. He could play, he could play DH and you let KK hit as well. Uh, And you put Pollock in the field against the left-hander. I I don't love it, uh, but it's not going to cost a lot. Uh, and it's probably you know less risk than Ryan Braun because he's actually having a decent year overall as well. He's a good power hitter. I'm not going to take that away from him, but whatever the reason is, infielders from the American League just don't seem to do well on the Dodgers. What if, whether it's Forsyth, Dozier, even yeah. Machado to an extent. It's just it, it's a weird – I don't know. It's a weird curse, I guess you could say. I wouldn't mind the pickup. But yeah, my point being, you know, it doesn't have to be Ryan Braun. The market is thin, I'm pretty sure, for right-handed bats. But I think there is room for one right-handed bat if needed. I mean, Matt Beatty and Edwin Rios, do you need both of them on the roster? You can't if you add a right-handed bat. You can't have them both. There's no room. Exactly. You know, I'm looking ahead. You know, there's going to be some very tough teams in the postseason, whether we have to face John Lester again or the Yankees who are just loaded with Chapman and – if Paxton comes back, he gave us issues last year. And Britain, yep. So there, there's definitely going to be some scenarios where we need to load up on righties. And in the past, it's worked for the Dodgers. And we'll see if Mookie can turn it around. You know, he hasn't been doing well against lefties. So we'll see what goes on. All right, KP Dodgers on Twitter. I know you also asked about if we needed a big right-handed power pat to DH, power bat to DH. And, you know, my guy, Ryan Braun, you know, I know some people want J.D. Martinez, but I just don't think it's realistic. All right, David, I know you got some names you want to throw out there. Round out this rumor mill. Yeah, some guys we haven't brought up who may or may not get traded but have been talked about a lot. Trevor Rosenthal, reliever from the Royals. Kevin Gosman, giant starter. Uh, Taiwan Walker from the Mariners, who I would not like the Dodgers to get. Kaloni Kella of the Pirates, reliever, pretty solid. Alex Cobb, starter from the Orioles, gross. Uh, Lance Lynn, Clevenger, although he starts Wednesday, Robbie Ray, perhaps, uh, Dylan Bundy, Whit Merrifield, and off chance the Red Sox trade Xander Bogarts or J.D. Martinez. Uh, But those look like the names who are, you know, being mentioned around the league. And before we get into, you know, if we like any of these guys, I just have a public service announcement for everyone. Don't believe every fake source you hear on Twitter. There are these accounts with, you know, 900 to 1,000 followers who try to claim – Sources tell me the Dodgers are actively trying to trade Lance Lynn for Cody Hosey and, and two prospects. Don't believe that. Just don't. Trust, trust the major guys. Don't buy into these fake sources. All right, guys, what do you think of those names? 
I like Lance Lynn a lot. I think he's been great. Um, and I, I think that he has playoff experience and I like him in the rotation. If they can't get someone like Bauer, I think Lance Lynn is great. If, if Dylan Bundy's on the freaking trading block, like let's consider Bundy that. Wagon. Let's consider that for a second. I don't know if the Angels would be willing to part with him since they just got him, but you know, if they can swing the right deal and fleece Artie Moreno again, then I would be. But hey, let's give him. Let's give him Ross Stripling for for you know for sure, or Jack yeah. Peterson for sure. Now, like I would do that deal uh, for uh, Dylan Bundy. I think those guys are great. Um, I, I, I'm with you on the Alex Cobb thing. I, I just, and same, same boat as Taiwan Walker too. I, I just don't have a lot of faith in those guys and they don't, they don't seem like huge upgrades over someone like Ross Stripling. They just seem like another Ross Stripling to me. Yep. Uh, one name that I don't think you brought up who I actually do think is going to get flipped somewhere is Johnny Cueto. Possibly. Yeah. But they're in it. They're not really they in it. That's BS. The Dodgers, hopefully they're going to take two or three or all three, and they're going to be out of it in a few days. One, uh, one thing I do want to bring up before you, before you go, Alex Cobb, his ERA is 373, and his expected ERA is 7.1. That is a guy you stay away from at all costs. Yeah, that guy's a fraud for sure. I remember last season, Shane Green was a big – Guy I was, was on the off. green train. And that's hand up, where, hand up. I was on the green train. And that's where you were wrong. I, I, I was too. I was disappointed we didn't get him. <laughs> no, he was so bad for them. And the, re- the reason I just wanted to bring up was he had an ERA of like one for the Tigers, but his like fifth was actually close to five. Just pure fraudness right there. Cobb, another guy who would just blow up if he was a Dodger. One name that I do think could get traded if the price is right, no pun intended, Michael Givens of the Orioles. Mm-hmm. Really good right-handed reliever, and he's been decent. <laughs> the Dodgers are could certainly look at a guy like him just to you know add some insurance to that bullpen. Pedro Baez hasn't been looking like himself this year, so you just never know. And Lance Lynn, another arm I really like. You mentioned him. I do think he's going to get traded, but I think the Braves are going to be the team that really overpay to get him. I agree, and it is going to cost an overpay for sure. Yeah, so that's pretty much all I have. Just to cap off the deadline stuff, I. Rosenthal, a good name. <laughs> That's distant your last cousin. Name. Yeah, distant I, cousin. I'm I'm reluctant to take a reliever from a bad team. I, I don't know. I just it, I don't think they. I don't think I think relievers is the last focus of theirs. I, think I do right, too. Right-handed bat or a starter or nobody. Yep. yep. Definitely. And I think unless you guys have anything to add, that's going to conclude the trade deadline talk. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I would say. Maybe they make a small addition. Maybe they they pluck a right-handed bat that we haven't brought up, uh, who's like sneaky under the radar, not in any talks. And maybe they pluck that guy out from wherever, whatever cave he's hiding in. Yeah, um, they've done that before. Jed uh, Jerko. No, please no. <laughs> um, it's gonna be a Tampa but, Bay Ray watch. Yeah, possibly. Who knows? Okay. So yeah, we'll see. Maybe on Monday we'll have a we'll have some uh, updates for you guys because I love the deadline. It's one of my favorite days of the year. Moving on, at CPZ on Twitter wants to know who's the team's MVP halfway through the season. It's got to be think- Mookie Betts. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty simple simple answer there. I mean, I forget. 
what the exact number was, but I think it says I saw in a 162-game season he would be on pace for like a 13-war season. Uh, I'm not sure. It was somewhere in between 10 and uh, 10 and 13, uh, and that's that's all you really need to say. He's done everything for the Dodgers. Uh, he's the catalyst. He's been hitting home runs. He's been stealing bases. He's been playing defense. Uh, they They paid the right guy. That's all I'm going to say is they paid the right guy. Yes, and they put him in the leadoff spot. Thank God we're not talking about that still. So that's good that he's just there and he's comfortable with being there. If I had to pick a player, it would probably be Mookie Betts or Corey Seager. But I am just going to say overall, I think the team has done a really nice job picking up for other guys. Guys like Bellinger and Muncie who have struggled, who are in the middle of the lineup, have gotten picked up by guys like Pollock and Chris Taylor. Yeah. And so I, what I really like about this team is that even when you have your quote-unquote stars that aren't doing so well, you have other players to step in and carry the load. And even when they're not playing their best baseball, they're still able to win games. And I think that that is something that every team would want. And so you don't you don't need Cody Bellinger to be the guy every night. You don't need Max Muncy to be the guy every night, but you need one of them to be the guy or two of them to be the guys each night. And I feel like every night it's just sort of next man up. And that's, that's, that would be my answer for MVP this season. Just this, the team collectively. My MVP is Jock Peterson. And this is why I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's Mookie Betts, obviously. This Jeez. was the guy, this was the guy, you know, I dreamed of having all of the offseason. And he's lived up to the hype thus far. He has a crazy war, 11 home runs, batting 300, making his teammates better, working with Austin Barnes behind the plate, correcting. Had to get that, had to get that in there, huh? Correcting pitchers like Stripling if they're tipping their pitches. Corey Seager having a great season as well. So I'm glad Jake mentioned him. But yeah, Mookie Betts is the front runner for sure. Just, he's not doing anything wrong except maybe the not hitting lefties part. With, all right, so that MVP talk is out of the way. We got 30 more games to see how the season finishes up. I think it's out of left field time. We haven't done this in a little while. So, which one of you want to bring up something random today? All right, I'll go first. And this is something that I tweeted out the other day that is just so infuriating to me. And I don't understand why Twitter has not added an edit button to their tweets. It is so frustrating. And I got to tell you that I know a lot of people don't care about spelling or grammar. They just tweet whatever they want. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But to me, it matters deeply. And so I do read through my tweets every time I post them, but sometimes you don't and you want to be able to edit that and you can't. And it, it sometimes, you know, I, people responded to my tweet saying like, well, you know, you should check your tweet before you send it and blah, blah, blah. And you can just delete it and repost it. It's like, well, sometimes you don't realize that you made a mistake until it's too late. And so if the tweet is doing really well, you don't want to take it down and then repost it like a dingbat. You got to leave it up there. And so I just don't understand why it's, I, I've never heard a reason as to why Twitter doesn't have that, but for Facebook and Instagram, it's just so nice to be able to just like go in there and tweak it and nobody can like, you know, jump on you for 
you know, using the wrong break. If you use B-R-E-K, B-R-E-A-K when you meant B-R-A-K-E, it's just so frustrating for me. And I just wish that they would figure it out. We're in the 21st century. People make mistakes. And yet Twitter is like, you better, you better have the correct grammar to start with. And it just pisses me off. See, well, I d- real quick, you know, what's funny about the not edit feature is people like Bob Nightingale. Who yes, dude, that's where I was going with it. He'll just tweet out the most incorrectly spelled or not even real words. And he just, yeah. lets it be. it's worth it. See, I, I, I am the typo king. I make more typos on Twitter than anyone. Uh, so I, I sympathize with you. But at the same time, we would be deprived of so much joy from random typos that we get from like verified important people accounts. Um, so, you know, so you I, like it. So you like it for the schadenfreude aspect. Yeah. Uh, would I prefer to like edit my tweet if I made a typo? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's on me. I, I'm taking ownership of my typos. Uh, and it's it's worth the payoff for me to see other people's typos than to not, you know, make my own. It's one thing to not care about typos like Bob Nightingale, but when you do care about it and you make a mistake, it's infuriating. So I, I, I see it, you know, yeah, it's fun, but like for myself, I just die a little bit inside when I see how stupid I was to not catch the mistake in the first place. Yeah, I'm with you there. But Typo, typos blow. They're, they're I'm not, pain. You know, I'm not that important, so it's, it's not a huge deal. <laughs> well, I am important, and I need my <laughs> yeah. shit to be correct. <laughs> All right, okay. Mike, Go ahead. Oh, Kevin, you got one? Yeah, real quick. Do it. It'll be real quick. I don't, this is just kind of me thinking on the spot. You know, the first thing I got to mention, the Lakers are up 3-1 on the Portland Trailblazers. For all you fans out there who said they were done or wrote them off after that game one loss, you know, pfft. I don't know what's happened to some of you fans out there, whether you softened up or what, but you don't give up on the Lakers. They're not like the Dodgers where a lot of October is they disappoint you. This Lakers team has a history of coming through in tough spots, but actually what my out of left field is the complaining with the refs. I think it's just getting out of hand. Like it's almost distracting my experience of watching the NBA games because there's just so many players that complain on every call and, you know, what would kind of make it interesting is if the refs had some kind of unwritten rule where they were just teeing up all the crappy players when they complained. Because it's getting out of hand. Like, J.R. Smith, that dude's terrible, and he has no business complaining if he doesn't get <laughs> a foul call. And then you got – I mean, I've been watching, like, the Rockets as well. James Harden complains on literally every play possible. I just don't know how the refs – I know they're told to swallow their whistles, but it's just out of hand. I do, I do, I do just want to say that uh, it just came out that uh, Damian Lillard will not be playing on Wednesday. So he's yeah, that out. series is over. Out. But to be, just one quick thing on yours, Kevin, and then I'll, I'll go into mine. I think people complaining about the refs on Twitter is worse than the players complaining about the refs <laughs> in person. Like. It's, it's obnoxious. These refs, we, we know the refs suck. You don't have to, like, make excuses for your team. Okay. My I'll, take, field. I'll take real quick. NBA refs do a better job of calling games than MLB umpires. Oh, absolutely. For sure. That's a good, that's a good take. All right. Um, my out of left field is on Gatorade. <laughs> the, the unequivocal top five flavors of Gatorade, in no order, because uh, I'm not going to get too controversial, but the top five 
undisputed flavor of Gatorade. I'm gonna write these down so I remember right now. Please do. Light purple, light blue, red, yellow, and orange. Everything else is trash. Those are the only five flavors. What other flavors are there? Um, there's there's like twenty more flavors. They got like white ice. They got like limon something. They got all all this stuff. They have all all these. Flavors but those are like the, those are like the staple main flavors. Red, yellow, and orange. Yes, light blue and light purple are delicious. And, I'm with you on light blue. And what? Elaborating more, I don't understand it. It makes no sense whatsoever because it's the same product. But Gatorade tastes better when it's in the bottle with the mouthpiece. The little, you know, the little nipple on the top, whatever you want to call it, Gatorade tastes infinitely better with the nipple mouthpiece. It makes zero sense, but it's just a fact. And they don't sell all the flavors in them, but it's it's an anomaly that that scientists should study and and try to learn why because it's just a fact of society. Hashtag um, hashtag David likes Gatorade nipples. So yes. this is like the the chocolate milk in a glass jar kind of comparison. Yes, but it's 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 better, honestly. And <coughs> honorable mention for this would be the sixth best flavor of Gatorade. It's blue Powerade. Because I don't want to hear that Powerade and Gatorade are different things. No, it's basically the same thing. So the sixth best Gatorade flavor is in fact blue Powerade. Yeah, those Gatorade frosts are really good. So I know what you're talking about when you I say will. light blue. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'm showcasing my Gatorade nipple on the camera right now. Whoa, we got to blur that out. delicious. We got to blur that out. That's inappropriate. I I can't really counter your list. You know, I have nothing to disagree with. Any blue is good. Glacier Freeze is the best. That's my opinion. That's that's the light blue. When it's cold, it's just on point. What's the purple one called? Something Frost? Riptide Rush. Riptide Rush. Light purple, Riptide Rush. Um, they have, but I mean, they have, look at all these flavors. They got melon, they got watermelon, citrus, tangerine, rain berry, Arctic Blitz, Icy Charge, Tropical Mango. Never heard of any uh, of Lime these. Cucumber, uh, all this stuff. And it's just, just quit it. Just make those five flavors and you're good, Gatorade. Yeah, too many options. They should also just buy the rights to Blue Powerade and just, and just. <laughs> Just go with that. Well, since we're on the subject of drinks, I might as well just ask this. I don't know if you guys are soda people, but what are your favorite sodas? Uh, I'm not a huge soda guy, but I'll I'll go with Coke and Orange Fanta is delicious. I saw a hilarious tweet the other day. It said, Dr. Pepper tastes like burgundy. Yeah, that's a great tweet. (laughs) I saw that too. It's perfect too. Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people, I like, um, I like sparkling water, and that oh, reminded no. me. That reminded me of a tweet that someone said that that sparkling water tastes like TV static. Sparkling yeah. water is so gross. I, so I love that. It's a very bougie thing that I I honestly would rather just drink sink water. I agree, hundred <laughs> percent. Tap water over sparkling water. Yeah, well, you sparkling know what? Go go, go drink your go drink your tap water and eat your Dodger dogs and leave me out of it. Like, part, like if you're drinking sparkling water, like just make a choice: either drink water or drink a soda. Like, stop no. being so fifty-fifty in the middle. Just pick one. Sometimes you don't want to drink a Coca-Cola because it's not it's not good for you. Then drink water or Gatorade. Sparkling water, just like what are you? Why are you mixing the two things? Like, just stop. 
I yeah, won't. Sir. I'm with David on that one. Like, make so, a decision. Be decisive. Jake's showing off his Coca-Cola can. I must say I'm Team Coke. But this Me is where too. it gets a little crazy. Is Cherry Pepsi is better than Cherry Coke, in my opinion. And that's my favorite soda. And then after the Coke family, I am a big Dr. Pepper fan. I think it's delicious. I don't know what it is, but that taste is on point. I hate root beer, so I'm not a root beer float guy by any means. And then I like Sprite of all those lemon limes. Sprite's my favorite. And if you have a sore throat, weird fact, but it's very soothing for your throat, Sprite. So try and, it out one day. And, and a stomach ache. And a stomach ache, exactly. It's Ginger it's like ale a, too. Yep. It's like, oh, ginger ale is so bad. Love ginger ale. Give me some Canada so Dry. Bad. I think there's a direct correlation that people who like sparkling water automatically like ginger ale. Well, then I am on that train. Yeah. <laughs> and then one, if, since we're on the topic, I might as well rant about one other thing. When you ask for a Coke at a restaurant and the waiter asks, is Pepsi okay? It's like, obviously it is. Like, right. I understand that you have to ask me, I guess, but like, obviously it is. And if someone says no to that question, you're an asshole. That's it. <laughs> like, you're just, you're just a jerk. Pepsi's oh. fine. But what's not cool is when a restaurant advertises on their menu that it's Coke or Coca-Cola, and what they're actually serving you is the store brand knockoff version. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have caught on to that, but that's actually an ongoing phenomenon. I didn't know that. It's cheaper. You know, they're, they're looking to cut costs at any corner. So yeah. the worst is when they serve it to you flat. Like, what the heck? That's all I got to say, I guess, about drinks today we'll do beer another time because you know i'd love to talk about beer one day yeah okay that concludes today's out of left field brought to you by nobody just yet but hopefully one Gatorade day is, is my official sponsor <laughs> brought to you by perrier please <laughs> no i decline their sponsorship <laughs> perfect this has been a long episode today we had a lot of questions i'm running out of breath here so why don't we just get to the closing thoughts of today and then that'll be it for this week's incline we do have an exciting guest next week i do want to just tease that real quick and probably another giveaway so stay tuned my closing thoughts are i don't think the dodgers are going to make a big splash at the trade deadline and i think that's perfectly okay this team is built to win as it is now they just need a little bit better production from their, their middle to back end starters in terms of getting deeper into games. Uh, but if they acquire, you know, right-handed bat, I'm all for it. What I don't want them to see is what I don't want to see is to overpay for Lance Lynn or someone like that. Yeah, I'm right uh, if they can you. get their hands on Bauer, that's a different story. Um, but this team is fine just the way it is. My thoughts are I'm really glad that the Dodgers have the record that they have through 30 games. I really was hoping that this season wouldn't be stressful because the regular season for the Dodgers is never usually the problem um, with, with the exception of 2018. It was a little touch and go there, whether we were going to make the playoffs or not. So I'm really glad that the, that this team has performed like it should. And, and in a lot of cases, they haven't really reached their full potential of dominance, but they've been pretty dominant, best record in baseball. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about the rest of the season. I just, I'm, I feel like there's an impending doom when the playoffs come around and I just, God, I just, you know, as a, as a, as a longtime Dodgers fan, and I know a lot of people out there feel me on this. It's just like, 
I, I, I'm dreading the playoffs. I really am. And I really hope that this team can prove me wrong and that this team is different than the other teams that have gone to the postseason and that, and that Dave Roberts can make a correct pitching decision in the playoffs. Like I'm really just hoping for that. But there's this, there is this impending doom that I feel. No negativity here. This could have been a lot worse. They could have been 15 and 15 or something, but right now they're just cruising. I'm looking forward to the playoffs. I think this team is like 80, 85% of where they should be right now. Once Max Muncy heats up, he's going to be the missing puzzle piece. And then they're locked and loaded. And what's different in years past is they have the team MVP now, Mookie Betts. So let's see what he does come postseason time. My final thoughts today are the Dodgers begin a three-game series with the San Francisco Giants. And this is the last time they're going to face this team. And it's only August. Usually these two teams will face in September. So that's a bit of a change. I think the Dodgers have, what, a 4-3 series lead. Shouldn't be that close for whatever reason. But Johnny Cueto, Kevin Gaussman, and Logan Webb again are who we're facing. All righties. And I think this is the series where the Dodgers, you know, get to at least two of them. And they have to win this series because going five and five against the Giants would kind of be a joke. If I'm being They'll honest. get two out of three. Two out of three is fair. They're in San Francisco for what it's worth. Not that home field matters, but something weird always happens in San Francisco when we play the Giants. Something weird. It doesn't matter who's wearing a uniform. Something always happens. We should all root for the Marlins so we can play them in the playoffs first round. I'm down. I'm down to take out Donnie baseball. Uh, yes. <laughs> Please, yes. Yeah. Okay, let's see let's see what happens. We got 30 games to go. The season's flying by. Make sure to subscribe to the Incline. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, even YouTube. We're all over the place now. Got an exciting episode coming up next week. Hope you guys had a good listen with us. Thank you for tuning in, and we're out. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.